Friday, Friday, Friday. <laughs> Burt Kreischer's special secret time airs on Netflix. Dun, dun, dun. My bird name is Burt Kreischer. Uh, my daughters are fucking idiots. What? You got to do a fake laugh. That I was trying to do right. a promo. Anyway, <clears throat> that's right, everybody. This Friday, my, my special airs on Secret Time on, no, on Netflix. Secret Time. I hope you enjoy it. Do me a favor. <laughs> as you know, spread the word. Tell your friends. Share it. If you enjoy it, share it with people. If you don't enjoy it, just don't tell anyone about it. Just take <laughs> it's the really charge. It's really I'm really proud of it. I'm really happy about it. I'm doing... Uh, if you're interested, I was on Segura's podcast that goes out tonight. It's out probably today. Um, tomorrow, 22nd. Yeah, tomorrow. It's out tomorrow. And then Rogan on Thursday and uh, H3 on Friday, Rich Eisen tomorrow, uh, Grace Helbig's podcast. Uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow. I'm doing a Theo lot of press. Vaughn. Theo Vaughn's tomorrow? Yeah, I think you have a, a you have a crazy day tomorrow. I'll tell you my day tomorrow. Take a look at this. It's... You have a, a phoner? Phoner with IDPR? No, with the Interabang. Yeah. Oh, I love the Interabang. That was a really great write-up they did. Then I'm doing Rich Eisen, then Theo Vaughn, then Grace Helbig. And uh, and then we're going to come back and do an open tabs. It should be a really good open tabs. Uh, Bam Margera was robbed at gunpoint in Columbia. Um, there's the Asia Argenta stuff, which I probably won't get that much into because I don't want to get political. I think, you know, everyone was, when the Chris Harbour thing went down, they're like, innocent until proven guilty. It works both ways. We don't know all the fucking details. So let's just all hold our, bite our tongues for a second and allow due process to happen. You like how that is? I'm a goddamn fucking American. Due process. Yeah. I believe innocent until proven guilty. Just because something comes out in the fucking tabloids does not mean, and granted, it's a lot of fucking shit, but we'll wow. talk about that on Open Tabs tomorrow. And uh, and I'm going to cover the triathlon. I totally forgot to cover the triathlon on the last open tabs. My, oh my God, someone called Halston my co-host. And I went, no, he's not my fucking co-host. I Why? got really defensive. Why? Because it's just me on fucking camera. Yeah, but doesn't he talk to you? I had a blast doing the Woody show this morning. Uh-huh. It was so much fucking fun. And I got to get them on the podcast. I got to give a shout out to them. They're in, a, they're all over, but we did it in LA and they're syndicated all over in Kansas City, oh, I know Spokane, that. Hawaii. So uh, oh, I didn't know I'll that. be doing that show a lot more. I, they're eight minutes away and uh, it was a fucking blast. We were doing things only fat guys know and their callers, it was like, breaking my heart but it was hilarious at the same time this lady called in and she goes uh i uh yeah i'm so fat that i went to a wedding outdoors and all the seats were in the grass and i thought i'm not certain the legs of that seat aren't just gonna dig into the grass and i'm gonna sink and i was like oh my god i've fucking been there then we were talking about uh belts and stretching out shirts before you put them on it was just fucking great so i got a lot of press lined up i'm in irvine this weekend uh at the irvine improv oxnard next weekend Kansas City the weekend after? Do I have a week off? No, th- oh, that's I think not I'm the week in after. Yeah. Gepeli. Maybe. Gepeli. I'll be in New York both weeks. I'm doing Conan on Monday and I'll be in New York both weeks. Doing Tom and Push's podcast was fun as fucking shit yesterday. Oh, yeah? I haven't gotten to spend, you know, I haven't been able to hang out with them as much. No. Our schedules are just so fucked. And, uh, and we used to spend a lot of time together and we talked about that. We talked about what it was like, you know, they've just had their second kid and, and Tom's like, I keep getting overwhelmed that you had two kids and you were making 700 bucks a week. Right. And by, by the way, we say that and it may sound like a lot of money to some people, but you got to remember I had to pay half to managers, agents, 
taxes. I only was really making 450 bucks a week and I was having to pay for flights sometimes. Yes, and and your food and everything but hotel. I was literally breaking even as a feature and a father of two. We'd make you'd make like 200 bucks a week. At the end of the day, that's what we got to keep. I think Tom was, was saying that in a very like in a very like like he kept saying he goes, "I'm so proud of you." He loved my special. He did. He loved my special. Listen to the beginning of the podcast. How did he did. get to see it? He, he just called Netflix. He's fucking the big one of the biggest names on the goddamn oh, brand. Sorry. Yeah, he was like, he was like, "Hey, can I get a copy of our special?" And they sent it to him, and he was like, sincerely, like it had me crying, laughing. Oh, that's He's like, funny. yeah, and he was like, you know, it's what's really great, and and I I don't think I plan. You don't plan the material you write when you do a special. I just say that to you. Um, you just don't. Uh, you, you just write whatever start, hearts happens in your life. Uh, for me, I, I can't really like go, I need this kind of bit. It's just whatever is funny to you at the time is what you write about. He's like, you know, with everyone having an agenda and having a political stance and being so politicized on stage, he goes, bro, I forgot just how funny you are in like, in like a sense of like just being funny, like just telling good stories and uh, and he goes, and it's just, it's it, like everyone's trying to say comedy's dead. I'm paraphrasing a lot. By the way, you're going to listen to the podcast and go, he didn't say any of that shit. But that's what I, that's what I heard. Right. And, uh, and yeah, so it's a big week. I'm really excited. And. It is a big week. You have two billboards in LA. Yeah. And let me tell you something. Awesome. Don't ever think that, it, that it's lost on me. I know for a fact that you guys were here when I started this goddamn podcast. You were here when I got fired from Travel Channel. You listened to me piss and moan about emotions and low self-esteem. You were here when I was 255, when I lost the weight with Tom, when things started picking up on the road. And so I feel like I feel like this broadcast, this whatever I make, this podcast, the the I feel like it's been a journey that you guys have taken with me and I, and I see you at the shows. You say shit like, I just wish Leanne was here and then I'll FaceTime Leanne. I feel like I just want to say thank you. I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. I, I could not, I couldn't, I remember watching Dane say stuff like, I couldn't have gotten here without you guys. And I remember being like, bullshit. <laughs> and now I'm like, oh, he was really accurate. You couldn't, this little like conversation that we share once a week or twice a week with open tabs and you guys... This guy goes, uh, man, those little challenges we put on open tabs have been killing me in the fucking most hilarious way. Oh, like, yeah? Yeah, guys will walk up with a shot. Hey, let's do it for Danielle Pineda. And I'll be like, oh, all right, I have to. And then last night, these guys, man, this is a great show tonight, honey. I'm gooning up that pussy. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> I got a little sick this weekend in Columbus. Great weekend in Columbus. Irvine, Oxnard next week. I'm happy. I'm very, very you happy. You should be happy. Not boozing this week, getting my head straight. Yep. Yep. I feel good. You didn't good. booze last night? No. No, I boozed a lot last night. Yeah. I, I know. was fucking wasted. Yeah, I know. And then when I said, Have you been drinking? You went, No, no, I'm just tired. I didn't say that. Yes, you did. You most certainly did. I was didn't know what you said. Yes, uh, you did. I said, Are you you sound like you're wasted? Well, I'm not have wasted. you been drinking? You just said you were wasted. I said I was wasted for the podcast. I wasn't you wasted. You were totally in the slurring and I, I asked you and you lied. I didn't lie. You lied. You said no, I'm just tired. A lot of big things happening over at All Things Comedy and we're really excited and and I was there and the night got away from me. We did two episodes of Something's Burning. Those should be coming out soon. Michael Rosenbaum, Harlan Williams, both of them will be on the podcast, as well as Grace Elbig. 
um, and and Brooks Whelan. And so they were really fun, and we got boozed up. And I cooked the most amazing, amazing, amazing Asian meal. Um, and we ended up, you know, we ended up talking about Blue Apron on, on Something's Burning yesterday. Did you? Yeah, of course. I love Blue Apron. Blue Apron is my... We just had Bob's Burger tonight. Uh, no, it was, no, it was Mom's Gouda Burger. Uh, Gouda Mom Burger from Bob's Burger, the TV show. Oh, is that what that was from? Yeah. Dude, that burger was fucking amazing. Yeah, I didn't really even good. eat the bun. And I just the had the burger with the mustard salad. and the cucumber radish. Blue Apron is fucking amazing. And I'll tell you why Blue Apron's amazing. And I don't... I, I know that they made this their mission, but I don't think they realized how it would actually manifest itself in people's lives. We spend every dinner with our children. Our children set the table. Our children clear the table. We cook. Me and Leanne cook together, and we have a great family meal, and we talk about stuff like, hey, Georgia, are you making any friends at high school? Hey, Isla, how's, how's the reading coming along? Like, you have a great meal. The meals are fantastic. They're inexpensive to make. Every meal is going to be per person under $10. You can make them. I mean, that meal we made, I want to say in 22 minutes. Yeah, it was pretty quick. Every meal is going to be under 45 minutes or less. And it's the freshest ingredients you can imagine. They're delivered right to your door. You, they save for easily like a week. You don't have to eat them right away. And I, and I love what they do. Their mission statement is they want to make home cooking accessible to everyone and to be dead honest with you, they've done that for us. We, we've cooked more since we started using them as a sponsor than we've ever cooked as a family ever in our entire lives. Yeah, that's There's true. no questions asked. We've had more family dinners since we started using Blue Apron. If you are a member, if you are a member of a family, father or mother, and you want to start bringing your family together tighter and you think, you know, shit, the kids are getting in high school. We should get closer. Dude, fucking Blue Apron is the answer for you. Yeah, I, I agree. I love this goddamn company. I really do. I hope they're a sponsor for as long as I do a podcast, but if they ever decide to leave, I will continue to use them. Yeah, totally. They're that fucking great. Yep. They here's, are. here's what you can do, guys. Here's my call to action. By the way, I didn't read any of the things that they asked I, us to I think, read. I think you're good. Yeah. Uh, cheeseburger, spicy slaw is coming up. Seared chicken with tangy. Barbecue sauce is coming up. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free at blueapron.com slash BurtCast. That's blueapron.com slash BurtCast to get your first three meals for free. Do you understand that? Three meals for free. All you have to do is go to blueapron.com slash BurtCast. That's B-E-R-T-C-A-S-T, Blue Apron, a better way to cook. And I got to be honest with you. It's been really nice too because we have another sponsor that is it's been a that I've been a fan of for ever. Probably 25 years. I remember the first time I ever got them my grandmother sent these to me. It's Omaha Steaks. We have a freezer full of Omaha Steaks. Yeah, we do because they they sent us some to try and we just doubled it yeah we just went back and doubled the order we doubled yeah. it online it's super easy to yeah, do it's really easy sometimes they have free shipping sometimes and that's great too dude it's so nice to have steaks on call in the freezer that you can just move to the fridge in the morning grill them up that night that's right and these are the best steaks out there and no there's no 
question about that. And I will tell you the fucking hot dogs. They're so good. They're the best fucking hot dogs you'll ever have. I don't know why they're so good. I don't know either. They're really good though. They're I like wish they sold them and- at the store because I went to go get hot dogs the other day. I was like, do we have any blue aprons in the freezer? And you're like, we already ate them. And so I had to get hot dogs and I just can't find a hot dog that that's, that's that good. I tell the story every time we brought those hot dogs over for a breakfast one time. Our buddy Tom Hayslip grilled them up. I ate, we ate hot dogs for breakfast without eating breakfast. They were so good. Um, grilling season's right around the corner. Enhance your fall cookouts and build gra- b- grill better with 28 cookout favorites that are guaranteed to be a hit. 100% guarantee world-class steaks, burgers, franks, and more for a limited time offer. Get the family gourmet buffet package from Omaha Steaks for only $49.99. That's 75% off. Um, they're quality. They're the highest quality cuts. One of a fl- one of a kind flavor. All beef is USDA. I was going to say USADA. That's for <laughs> steroids for athletes. USDA inspected for quality and aged 21 days. They age in it 21 days. That unlocks all the flavor and tenderness. The varieties are amazing. They got fucking bison? Yeah, I think so. They have, oh, they have go, lobster. They let's have, go on. Let's order some bison. Okay. I want I want to start eating more bison. Okay. Dad's eating bison and, and on this diet he's on. Yeah. By the way, diet's going great, guys. Um, I did really well in in uh, in Omo, in uh, Columbus. Columbus. I got sick, so I haven't worked out, but I'm going on a bike ride Sunday. I'm going to work out tomorrow morning before I head down to go to Rich Eisen show. And, uh, and so, yeah, thanks everyone for really giving a fuck. <laughs> What? I don't know. I don't know either. You can customize these rest your order. Omaha Steaks even gives you the option to customize your cuts for your grilling needs, find recipes, find wine pairings. Right now, Omaha Steaks is giving a limited time offer to our listeners, and it's an amazing deal. It really is. Go to omahasteaks.com, type in Bert in the search bar, and you'll get 75 percent off the omaha steaks family gourmet buffet package here's what you get two tender mild filet mignons two bold beefy top sirloins two juicy boneless pork chops four crispy fried chicken steak my mouth's fucking watering oh my god juicy all beef meatballs four savory omaha steak burgers four deli style gourmet jumbo franks Four customer favorite potatoes au gratin, four made from scratch caramel apple tartlets, one Omaha steak seasoning packet, plus get four more grill ready burgers for fucking free. I am starving now. We just Why? ate we and just my ate. mouth's watering. I want to get some buffalo from them. I'm gonna I'm gonna go online right now and get buffalo. Okay. Sorry for snorting. Again, this is a limited time offer. This package is. For only forty nine ninety nine, when you go to almost omahasteaks.com, that's omahasteaks.com, type Bert in the search bar and add the family gourmet buffet package to your cart. Trust me when I say you, this, I'm looking at this, this is for a family of four, for us, this is probably six different meals. At least, it's, it's a lot of food. This offer is going to end soon, so don't wait. Go to omahasteaks.com, type Bert in the search bar, 
grab your friends, fire up your family, or fire up the grill. <laughs> fire up your family. Grab Lately, your friends. You know, Labor Day is coming. You need this stuff for Labor Day. Oh, yeah. Fuck, Labor Day is right around the corner. Yeah. In two weeks. Grab your family, fire up the grill, and enjoy your Omaha Steaks. Go to omahasteaks.com, type in Bert in the search bar. off. Sweet. Those are our reads, everybody. I apologize if this is long. I really enjoy this part. It's really fun for me. And so we should just know that it's going to be 15 to 20 minutes every now and then. Sometimes 30. It's been 30. Sometimes 45. I'm really excited about the special. Thank you, everyone, in advance for enjoying it. Hit me up on Twitter. Let me know what you think about it. It was positive, obviously. Um, You can always email me at Bert at BertBertBert.com. Leanne reads all of them. I don't read them. So... I'm send a little note to Leanne. Check out her podcast, Wife of the Party. Aww. It's on. Uh, when do you drop yours? Thursday. Who do you have coming up? Uh, the episode coming up. I'm actually recording tomorrow. It is uh, with Miss Chris, our daughter's piano teacher. Ooh. So that should be a good one. Yeah. It should be. It'll be good. She's gonna be honest with our about our kids. I don't know. Our kids are not. They are not. Yeah, not big on piano. But piano is really good for dyslexia. So, uh, yeah. So I'm talking to Miss Chris this week. And next week, Sandy and my friend Paula are, are doing it next week. Saturday, uh, Crab Feast Home Run Derby. I couldn't be more excited. Saturday, Ryan O'Neill fights Luis J. Gomez. Saturday's a big fucking day. Why? What? Uh, they're Wait, doing the, what? Ellis Mania. Luis J. Gomez, who you know. Yeah, I know. And yeah. Ryan O'Neill from Danish and O'Neill. Yeah. They're fighting in an MMA style fight. Shut up. Yup. No. I'll be at the Irvine Improv and you'll be home watching my special. But if you, hey, but this is what I fucking love about Netflix. If you want to watch all that shit, hey, watch my special Sunday. Oh, yeah. fuck yeah. We're watching it Sunday. Watch it whenever the fuck you want. We're going to be doing a viewing party Sunday night. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, I'll be live tweeting or something. I'm, I'm a social Sunday media afternoon. Whore. Sunday afternoon? 2 p.m. Really? Yes, it's a school night. We're having two showings, a 3 p.m. and a 4.30. Today's podcast is a great one. It's Tom Rhodes, who I've known I've, I've known for over almost over 20 years. I've known him for as long as I've been doing comedy. I met him when I first was working the door at the Boston Comedy Club. I knew he was from Florida. He had had a sitcom on NBC, and he had been through the ringers. He had done Comedy Central uh, event, like, uh, like a documentary about going back to Vietnam with his dad, who was in the Vietnam War. And then he just dipped out and he went to Amsterdam and that's when he became this fucking world traveler and he has lived, he's one of the most thoughtful guys I know and on this podcast, he tells one of the better stories I've heard on in this room in a very long time. Really? Oh my God. It is a great story and it embodies everything I love about Tom. Tom has, just like Hedberg, who is one of his good friends and Stanhope. There's a ring to the way he tells a story. There's, It's almost like jazz. It's almost a little bit like Pryor, Eddie Murphy. There's a strut and a swagger to the way Tom does stand-up. And this story fucking blows me away. I want to say it's at the tail end of the podcast, isn't it? It's towards the tail end of the podcast. And I'm not going to spoil it for you. You'll know when he goes, should I tell you the story? And he tells it. And man, I am so excited. He's right now, I think he's in Mongolia. I've been following him on Instagram. So follow him on Instagram because his Instagram's fucking awesome. He's all over the world. He's going on, he's on a world tour right now and he's going everywhere. Uh, he'll, he'll tell you about that now. If you are abroad and you're a traveler or you're working abroad and you're in Asia, 
that's where he is. So go find him. Go see him live. I'd say buy him a beer, but man, that guy's a fucking gangster. He quit drinking, I think, three year, New Year's Eve's ago, four New Year's Eve's ago. Just like, that's it. I'm done. That's cool. Yeah, I'm done. I think I'm done with it. And just no rehab, no nothing. Just like, eh, I think I'm done. And then we were going to smoke a cigar, but I was training for the triathlon, so I couldn't smoke a cigar. Next time. But he is a, a dear friend. I love him. I genuinely, genuinely love him. And I love that he does this business his own way. Right. And, and this whole Paris trip that I was talking about, I wanted to take Leanne somewhere. That's how we start off. I asked Tom advice on where I should take Leanne. And I think, I think we end on Paris. And we talk about Paris. So uh, I hope you enjoy this episode. Remember my special Netflix, Secret Time. August 24th. Ladies and gentlemen, today's podcast, Tom Rhodes. This is Um, yeah, I can't smoke cigars. I'm training for a triathlon. I can't even be around like pot smoke. Like they were smoking pot in the, in the, I say pot. What am I fucking 80? I'm fucking in the green room at the school. Call store. it grass. I think yeah. the kids are calling they it grass. They were smoking grass. <laughs> Wacky tobacco. This could not be a better time to, t- to do a podcast with you. Why? Last night, last night I got like a hair up my ass. And I think, I think it's because I traveled so much. For so long and I had such cool experiences in a weird way you mourn them when you stop traveling that like exotically you mourn them and then and so I, ha- well, I was supposed to go to the Grand Canyon with my kids and it it all fell apart and no one can do anything and I and I have to spend money for I have to buy fly a certain amount of miles on American so I was like I'm to take- get your your status yeah, yeah. To get my status. I'm obsessed with it and this has got to be my last year going for it because I've, I've really like put my my relationship uh, oh I've, i'm taking exotic gigs all over the world just because i want to hit that diamond level again dude i i'm I, I so i did my year out and like i i booked out my year and i was like i'm gonna be short i need one big like six thousand mile trip like a big trip and so i looked it up i've been i've been, I've been talking about this nonstop, and so here are my options I can go Asia or I can go Europe or I can go South America. I can go Shanghai, Hong Kong, uh, Beijing, Tokyo. Those are the four Asian choices. I can go Buenos Aires. I can go Chile. I can go, I can go anywhere up north, but it, it won't give me the I need to go either to Chile or Buenos Aires or I can go Europe. I can go Madrid, uh, Frankfurt, Milan, Rhone. Rome or here's the problem with Lisbon is I got to fly. That's two flights. So uh, these are direct flights out of LAX. Um, oh, actually, and, and Dallas a little bit. So where would you go in Asia? Well, man, I you know you've 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 covered Asia extensively. Yeah. So uh, next week I'm going back to Mongolia. I don't know if we talked about Mongolia no, the last time. No. I was here. Tell me everything. So uh, I'm doing I'm doing Mongolia. Um, here I got the. Brought my little book. Uh, I did Mongolia last October, and it was in the 30s. It was freezing, and I wanted and I read Genghis Khan's biography before I went there, and so I was really like, uh, it's a fascinating culture, and nobody goes to Mongolia. Yeah, I don't even know and where Mongolia <clears throat> is. It's is it between above China and Russia. Okay, 
And uh, it, I, I found it such a fascinating place. Uh, and the comedians, the local comedians were such great guys. I wanted to see it in summer. So I'm going to go back August 22nd. I've got a gig in Ulaanbaatar. That's the capital city. Uh, and then I got a gig in Beijing on August 24th. Have you been to Beijing before? Yeah, many times. So wait, wait, And then I'm going to Shanghai on okay. on August 25th. Okay, Shanghai, okay, perfect, perfect. Shanghai, All right, let's, 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 let's compare Beijing and Shanghai. Shanghai is my favorite city in Asia. Okay, why? I... Whenever, okay, so Hong Kong. Realize you are forming the view because I think everyone's like me. I've traveled a ton. Yeah. But when it comes to like Beijing or Shanghai, for me, that's like fucking, like it's like. Going to the moon. It's like Charlotte or Atlanta. <laughs> like I don't really know much about. Sh- I, it's almost two words that I go, yeah, yeah, I bet they all have the exact same thing. Like I, I can't, I, I couldn't even find, like I was looking at top 10 things to do in Beijing, top 10 things to do in Shanghai. And I couldn't tell the difference other than the Great Wall of China. Okay, have you been to the Great Wall? No. Okay, so I've been to the Great Wall twice. And that's the one thing that Beijing has over Shanghai. Um, so, so, so like as a comedian performing, Hong Kong is mostly like people in the banking industry. And then Beijing is people that work for governments and different embassies that'll come to your show. Shanghai, whenever I go to Shanghai, I, w- I always meet like, French journalists, Swiss filmmakers, Japanese animation people, like really creative people are living in Shanghai. Really? And uh, it's supposed to be like Harlem was in the 30s now as far as jazz. I know a lot of like black American jazz musicians who are living in Shanghai now. So like You're selling me on Shanghai for entertainment and stuff right now. And Shanghai is really sexy. Yeah. Uh, the, the French concession neighborhood is these tree lined boulevards and that's where like uh, your designer shops and art galleries. There's a place there uh, that makes these incredible action figures. And they'll, they'll do like NBA guys. They'll do like Che Guevara. And, and the action figures are like two or $300 each. They're like, I forget the name of it. Uh, it's incredible. But Beijing, uh, the old, I think the, the old neighborhoods are called Hudongs. Those are, um, those are really fascinating. But the Great Wall of China, is so cool and i've been there twice there's three sections of the great wall you can go to as a tourist and only one of them has this slide so you take like a uh you take like a what is it like a ski lift up to the the gondola gondola thank you but there's only one section where you can go as a tourist and you you it's this slide i filmed it it's on youtube if you if you type in youtube tom Rhodes magnificent slide i'm I'm googling it right now i filmed the entire thing and i'm telling you i enjoy this slide more than i enjoy the great wall of china i mean the great wall (laughs) the great wall of china is pretty awesome it's great to go there i've been there in winter and in summer um but like that that's the one thing i'm going to do when i'm in beijing i've been the forbidden city's okay it's not there's really nothing in there to see. Well, how do, what is it called? Tom Rhodes what? Magnificent Slide. How do you spell magnificent? <laughs> M-A-G-N-I-F-I-C-E-N-T. Magnificent. By the way, if you <clears throat> what's interesting about you is if you type in Tom Rhodes Magnificent, a lot of things come up before <laughs> the slide. <laughs> All right. I you got it? This. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whoa, is this... What are you on? It's like a little plastic slide. And you have a stick between your legs, and if you pull it towards you, it goes fast. And if you if you uh, if you, I'm sorry, if you push it forward, it goes fast. If you pull it backwards, it goes slow. 
Oh, this is like one of those fucking insane mountain slides. Yeah, and there's no safety precautions in China. You could fly off the side of this. So you can fly off the side. So there's a Chinese soldier. There's, there's a few Chinese soldiers positioned along the way, and they're telling you slow down as you go around the big turns. Really? Because they've obviously had people fly off the sides. Isn't that cool? This is beautiful. So is Beijing more... God, this is a long... So this is a three-minute slide. Yeah, is, is I filmed it from, and that's the, so imagine the explorers that took them months to go up there and months to go down, and you can slide down it in three minutes. So is, is what, what's it, what's Bay, if Singapore is more like, uh, describe that, or not Singapore, Shanghai, Shanghai and Beijing, what, what American cities are they similar to? Nothing, you can't compare them. Yeah, and then the thing that China has over us now is the skyscrapers. They've gone crazy with, the design of sky you go to these different cities in china and you're like wow really it's mind-blowing what they're doing and shanghai is skyscraper city the um uh the bund is the river curve where there's that magnificent city shot you've seen it i, th- uh, I definitely have seen it you've I think seen it- the skyline of shade and that's so there, there's one thing you have to be precautious over going there's a there's a pedestrian shopping street that goes right into the bund in shanghai and i fell for this about seven or eight years ago this these people come up to me it was a guy and two women they're i'd say late 20s hi how are you are you from the united states sometimes like years ago i remember being in beijing right before the the beijing olympics like a year before people would come up to you in beijing wanting to practice their english yeah and so you know lovely day we're having isn't it where are you from and you know you you can tell but these people their english was really good are you from the united states yes they go they go obama we love obama okay okay and they go um we're going to a cultural tea exhibition would you like to go with us and i said no no no. i got to meet a friend for dinner but thanks and i'm like you know blowing them off you know i got my you know when you're a traveler you know you're yeah you're, you know, you don't want to get suckered into anything. And the guy, he puts his hand on his heart and he goes, please, come with us. We'll make friends. And that's when the hook went into the mouth. That's when he got me. Because the reason I travel is to make friends. Yeah. So I thought, nah, tea exhibition, what, you know, yeah, well, how difficult uh, or how long is this going to be and how expensive could it be? So I go with them and it was this little chumpy tea exhibition in this little place down a street, side street. And like the woman explains, black tea, you'll never get cancer, and green tea is good for digestion, and all these different things, and then it's over. And then they brought me the bill for $150. And uh, number one, you realize, hey, what a good deal Starbucks is <laughs> yeah. uh, when you get a $150 tea bill. Um, and I, I knew that I had been swindled fair and square. Yeah. And then that night at my show in shanghai once i spoke the words cultural tea exhibition everybody in the audience went no for real you didn't it's this thing and i don't know why the cops there don't crack down on this because it there's there's screwing visitors and like half the people in the audience had fallen for it and one guy told me oh you know what i bet they 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 gave you a break because i was charged 300 and then another guy told me he jumped out of a window to get away from paying the bill. Really? And and uh, and then somebody told me, they go, <clears throat> did they mark you? I go, what do you mean, did they mark me? 
did they give you the little red Chinese dangly thing? It looks like a like the the thing you'd have on the top of a graduation cap, but it's red like tassels. Yeah. I go, yeah, they did. Put it on my backpack. The guy go, here's a gift from us for our friendship. And he tied it on my backpack. That's so when you go back out to the pedestrian walking street, they know that you've already been taken. The other, uh, they know, they, oh they know the other people who are out there getting people to do this know that they've already got you. So that's Shanghai. That's the one thing you need to be careful of in Shanghai. I would but, almost, if I'd, if that, if that happened to me in Shanghai, I'd almost go through with it and film it just to get everyone like that's what i was so angry the next day i went back with my camera yeah. and i was filming and then they won't talk to you if you, if you a got a camera out. yeah they know it's evidence so what's what's the uh, street food in shanghai is amazing street food is better in shanghai <clears throat> than beijing um is beijing well more, beijing is, has got a there's a street in Shang, in beijing that is all everything fried on a stick from Jesus, like Tom, you're selling me hard. <laughs> but no, they got like disgusting things. I made the first time I went to Beijing, I made a YouTube video. I think that's just on the regular Beijing video. And I was with this British comedian who was a uh, portly fellow who was eating everything. Who? Andre Vincent? Uh, Marcus Brigstock. <laughs> yeah. um, so he was, uh, they had fried snake, they had fried maggot, all this stuff. We, I tried the fried scorpion. Uh, but I didn't get any freakier than that. Yeah. Um, but they also have nice things like, you know, strawberries dipped in chocolate and things like that. There's this one street where it's all this stuff fried on a stick. Um, but Shanghai, the, the people who run the Kung Fu Comedy Club, there's a, That's the club a really sweet... Uh, there's two there. There's a I Shanghai. I definitely go do a spot there. The, the, Shanghai the, Comedy Club, and then there's the Kung Fu Comedy Club, and there's a there's a uh, a really lovely gay American fellow who gives street food tours of Shanghai, and uh, it's it's great. There, there's one street that Anthony Bourdain went to, and this guy had also taken me to, and it's. Uh, crawfish. It's all crawfish oh on this God, one street crawfish. that they're that they're famous for in Shanghai. So I mean, it's a toss up for for where we where you would go. I would I, love to see the Great Wall of China. The no, Great we, Wall of China is 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 so cool. Any time of year, um, you do have you, you do have people there trying to sell you trinkets and things. That yeah, you got to watch out for. But the slide is incredible. I, I think how far out of the, uh, Beijing is Great Wall of China? An hour. Okay, so you'd have to take a bus out there. You can take a cat taxi. Oh, really? Yeah. Des Bishop was living in... Des Bishop's black guy. I know him. No, no, white guy. He's uh, he's, he's Irish. Oh, uh, I know Des from Bishop. From New York City. I'm thinking of someone else. And then he, was, he wanted to perform comedy in Mandarin. So he was over there for like a year or two living. And we took a taxi directly there, and it was probably like 20, 40 bucks, and the guy waited for us. God, what, so it's so worth it. Could you, does the does Shanghai Comedy Clubs, do they go every night? Um, no, no. Uh, I would love to get up and do stand-up. If I'm out there, I'd love to do stand-up one night. But I I can, I'll take care of you. I uh, can get you in club with, I get you in touch with both clubs and you could do either. I'm trying to, I'm, I want to go. They'd be, they'd be thrilled to have you, I'm sure. I haven't performed, I haven't traveled. Why take that back? You haven't performed in Asia? I've performed in Singapore. 
Yeah, because there's so many great. Singapore was awesome. Singapore I, was really great. I did not like Singapore when I first went there. Really? I found it too clean and soulless. It was very clean. But then, I like, but I like that. Well, but I'll tell you. So then, the next time I went, uh, I was coming from Cambodia, where there's like so many people missing limbs and street children begging, yeah. and there's no beggars and there's no homeless people in in Singapore. They don't allow it. No, no. So at the all. second time I went to Singapore, I loved it because it was clean and it was soulless. Yeah. Yeah, Singapore is... <laughs> so it depends on your perspective. Until unless you go to the four floors of horrors. No, that, that, that's... You know what? It's, it, it's like what certain cities are known for, like Amsterdam for prostitution and drugs is such a small... Small portion of small what, the, portion of it. what like, makes the city great. I actually have had Singaporeans show me around. And to the, the, the street food in Singapore can't be beat. Uh, yeah. I would fly there for the black pepper crab. I think I've told you about the black pepper. No. Black pepper crab is better than cocaine. Malaysia also does it. But the black pepper crab is one of my favorite things on the planet Earth. They also do chili crab, which is a little sweeter. Um, I didn't have the... I, you know, I had a really hard time finding food there because I was by myself. Yeah. And so I was literally just walking in, just going... <clears throat> I was like, all right, I'll take what is like 50 bucks and spend 50 bucks on a bunch of different shit, take it over and just eat Eat, just go through and sample stuff but I, I gotta be honest with you I felt like I didn't really get out of my comfort zone food wise and I definitely didn't have the black pepper crab well and you, you know what you gotta you always find you have to go to a city a few times like the first time I went to Shanghai I didn't like it I, I was like I had heard so much about the nightlife and like I was in and out to do a gig and I was like eh, that was no big deal really I've since been back there like seven or eight times and gotten to know it deeper and I love it Shanghai is also I'm sorry Singapore is similar um the, the i've had locals take me to get black pepper crab and uh the last time i was there in april i stayed in this neighborhood i never even knew existed and i've been to singapore probably like six or seven times uh the sultan mosque is this muslim neighborhood so there's all this malaysian food and malaysian food there's this thing called murtabak and it's like roti bread, and it's minced lamb and egg and uh, red onions chopped up in it. And they give this kind of curry dipping sauce with it. And uh, when I'm in Singapore and Malaysia, I have it for breakfast every day. Really? I don't even think it's a breakfast item, <laughs> but it's like so good. It's and like, it, that's like someone going, dude, have you had pizza? I eat it for <laughs> breakfast. Exactly. Yeah. But this neighborhood in Singapore, I, I, uh, the, and the, I stayed at, at a hotel called the Sultan, mm -hmm. which is in the neighborhood. And, and Singapore is really small and easy to get around. I liked Singapore a lot. I, I'm, I'm going to go back. I'm doing, uh, I'm doing a Australian run, I think. I think again, yeah. I'm you, gonna do another Australian nice. run, and I'm gonna tag Singapore onto it because Singapore. I had a Singapore is just a, a really fun. It was a fun way to get to Perth, meaning like I, everything else. Just I feel like Perth gets left out, and I, I love really, Perth. I love Perth. Perth is. I I wrote a a story about it for the Huffington. The Huff, years ago, the Huffington Post asked me to be a travel writer. I don't do it anymore. Um, because it was like I was putting like all this energy into it and they don't pay any money. Yeah. But I wrote a piece on on how much I loved Perth and all the great things that there are to do there. Uh, and the funny thing about Perth is that people in Perth think it sucks there. <laughs> they think it's a, it's it, 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 they just 
they're not that thrilled about it. Yeah. And everyone, like I asked a taxi driver in Perth, what should I see while I'm in Perth? And he said, the airport, go to Sydney. Yeah. And I put that in my story. So the Western Australian newspaper, which is the newspaper of Perth, reprinted my story on the left side of the paper and on the right side, they had five people commenting on what I had written and they were all saying, yeah, we should be more upbeat when we talk to foreigners. That's what, that's what everyone that I, when I went to Perth, everyone said, why did you come to Perth? They all have low self-esteem about it. And I was like, I love it. it. It's the San Diego of Australia. It's 82 <laughs> degrees year round weather. Yeah. Uh, they, they've got one of the, I think it's Victoria Park. Some the, one of the nicest parks. It's like Vancouver has this big, beautiful natural park in the center of the city. Yeah. Perth has that. Um, and then uh, right next door to there, uh, Fremantle is, is the little town next door. It is where Bon Scott is from. I went to Bon Scott's grave, put flowers on his grave. And there's a, a I think it's the best beer in Australia. It's called Little Creatures. And at the Little Creatures Brewery, they've got a lovely restaurant that did uh, lamb and feta arugula pizza. Yeah. I loved I loved Australia. I would go. I was thinking about for a day just flying to Sydney. I really love Sydney. Sydney's love, one of my favorite cities in the world. Easily one of my favorite cities in the world. Have you done the comedy? No, you did the Enmore Theater, right? Yeah, I did Enmore, and then I did two shows at Sydney Opera House. But it was like uh, nice. it was just no. It was like it was a uh, part of something. It wasn't just for the Sydney Comedy Festival. No, maybe it was just for laughs. Do they do? Oh one? yeah, sure. Yeah, and so I did Enmore, and then I did those two. Sydney Opera House. Uh, I, I didn't. I had a really great show one show, and then the next show was like all right. But uh, I love. I loved Australia. I had more fun in Australia than I've probably had anywhere else. I think the city I saw most of was probably Brisbane. Also a great city. Brisbane was fucking. I, I walked. There's all these. A lot uh, the the the. It's it's really hilly. Yeah. They have great seafood, and uh, they're called worker cottages. All the worker cottages have got these uh, uh, these wonderful porches. You know, I'm from the south, like yeah. you. We like porches. Yeah, I liked. Uh, there was something really familiar with uh, with with Australia. Something that made me feel like oh, like oh, I could have. I could have lived here. I well, you know what? I here. think they're so far removed. In my opinion, I think they took the best of English culture and the best of American culture and um, kind of left out a lot of bullshit. Yeah. Now, why do you feel like you've traveled more in Asia than anywhere else or more in Europe than anywhere else? No, definitely Europe. Really? But I've just, through the years, I've done um, everywhere in Asia. You know, yeah. What? That's like I did a, uh, I did this, this, um, this Magner's Comedy Festival in April, and I did it was Bangkok, Singapore, Hanoi, Ho Chi Minh City, um, oh, and Manila. That was interesting. What's uh, Manila like? Manila is a shithole, and it's <laughs> it is to be avoided. Uh, right next to my hotel was a. a uh, a, a bar and it had neon sign it said like where the the club that I played was like I guess kind of this entertainment area and there was a bar a block from the club and it said midget boxing and um, it, it me and the other I was with a, Craig Campbell uh, this Canadian comedian who lives in in London and this South African black female comedian named Tinjui 
and uh, it was really we it was we were a great team yeah for this international festival that's the cool thing about that we don't have in the states is you do team up in in england and the international comics team up and go on fun runs together that we just don't do here like for us it's it's you and another guy doing omaha and then you're just in Omaha. You don't do anything crazy. You don't do anything fun. You don't do anything sightsee. You just go into Omaha. You drink at the club late. You go back to the hotel. You wake up. You do lunch. Maybe you see a movie. But that's it. I'll tell you what Omaha is great for. Used vinyl records. Really? Yeah. I, they got great vinyl record shops. Do when you I go to you Omaha, just disproved me immediately? Like, when I, I'm, no, you know, Bert, alcoholics definitely do that. But regular people well, yeah, don't do shit. Well, I don't drink. So, yeah. uh, and I'm really into vinyl records. And Omaha is one of my favorite places to go because... You can f- find great stuff there for reasonable prices, yeah. um, and good ice cream. But uh, so, so me and the other comedians in in Manila wanted. We were like, "Oh, midget boxing! Let's go check this out." And it was sad. It was gimmicky. Yeah. And you know, the 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 uh, I told the owner. I said, "You know, in the rest of the world, we're we call them little people now." And he said, "I know. It's too expensive to change the neon sign." Uh, and I, he didn't give a shit. Um, and then walking back from the club after the show this guy comes up to me on the street he's wearing a new york yankees baseball hat he said excuse me brother um i'm living on the street can can you spare some money and his english was incredible i said brother i go you are you american he said no 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 no. i I lived in los angeles for many years i go your english is amazing how did you end up on the street in manila he was a philippine guy Filipino and uh, he said well I was living in Los Angeles for many years with this Filipino woman and I came home one day and I caught her in bed with another man and I grabbed my baseball bat and I uh, beat the man very severely and I, 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 I was put in jail for a year and and then I was deported back to the Philippines and I, I, I grabbed him by his 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 elbow and I said do you still like baseball? <laughs> he goes, of course. How are the Yankees doing? I, go, I don't know. I don't follow the statistics. That's crazy. So then, so then, <clears throat> so if you had one trip in all of Asia, where would you go? Oh, uh, wow. Well, I mean, it's, it's one it, trip. One you know trip. what? And it's the worst thing um, people can do. Like when they, when they go to Europe, they'll go there like one trip in their life and they'll try and do two days in Paris, two days in Rome. You can't do that. Yeah. You got to focus on one thing at a time. Um, okay, then let's start this way. What's the perfect length of a trip? Meaning land, feet in country, on a plane out. What's the perfect length? I mean, three to five days if you're, you yeah. know, if you got a job. And four, then- so let's say four days. You, you leave on a Thursday, you get there Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you come home on Monday. Like, Sing- like Singapore is great. There's always events going on in Singapore. You know, when I was drinking Beer Fest, uh, and it's 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 great. It's outdoors, and they got all these um, uh, cover bands, and there's beer tents from all over the world. They did comedy, which was difficult in a tent with music all around. Yeah. But I was still drinking at the time. That's a fun festival. When I was in Singapore in April, the, the jazz festival was going on, and I got to see... Um, um, uh, Lauren Hill perform. Really? Yeah. But uh, uh, so I've been to Vietnam a few times. I love Hanoi. I love Vietnam. I, I really love Vietnam. I really do. Uh, my mother, my father flew helicopters there and was shot down. You have a special connection with yeah, Vietnam. Because my dad um, fought in the war and uh, was shot down and survived. And his helicopter buddies were was, was everything to him. 
Um, so I read all these books my whole life about Vietnam. I saw every movie. And then, and then in 95, I did this Comedy Central special, Viva Vietnam, where I did like a travel log where I went to Vietnam uh, when it first opened for Americans. So I went back in 2014. The guy who runs the gig in Hanoi, this English guy, and he's like a real man's man. He's not like girly and soft-handed like most British guys you meet. <laughs> he, uh, he's like the Indiana Jones of, of England, and, and he's, he's, he does the comedy at, this, at his club in Hanoi. He also gives motorcycle tours of the north of Vietnam. Okay, I'm in on that. I've been that. afraid of motorcycles my whole life. Oh, see, that was one of my so, ideas was go to Anchorage, talk to Shaley, Greg, and find out go to Anchorage and do a run on a motorcycle up into the off the grid, camp for two nights, drive back in at the airport and bounce. That was another one of my ideas. Well, think about North Vietnam and this guy. I, dude, I can, I I can hook you up. You can, they'd, he'd be thrilled to have you. Ari and I were dead <clears throat> seriously thinking about taking the Ho Chi Minh Trail on motorcycle. We were dead serious about it. Okay, I mean, the that, that would be cool. Yeah. Uh, so... I had a wreck on a dirt bike when I was 14 in Florida. So I was afraid of motorcycles my whole life. When I was doing the travel TV show for Dutch television, uh, I filmed a highlight on Peru and we went to the Nazca lines and uh, this guy let me ride his motorcycle around the Nazca lines. So I got over my fear. And then after I did Hanoi in 2014, I liked this guy so much. I'm like, the next time I come, I want to go on this this motorcycle trip yeah. with him. So my wife is from Rotterdam in the Netherlands. Her brother teaches motorcycle lessons. So last summer, I took motorcycle lessons with him for an afternoon. So when I went back to Hanoi, this is the fourth time I've been on a motorcycle in my life. We go and we're 45 miles. The video is actually on my Instagram. Uh, the, the guy started filming me right before I wrecked. Oh my God. So we're 45 miles north of Hanoi and this uh, going up this little windy mountain road and my wheel got too close to the edge and it was dusty and the bike went out right from underneath me and my head hit the, 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 the street. Thank God I was wearing a helmet. And the only thing that happened was I, 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 I scraped the skin off my elbow and we were like 10 minutes from- you video of that? The guy was, he just started filming me right I'm before. I'm going to your Instagram right now. He, the guy just started filming me right before I wrecked. We've got to get computers in here like Rogan's got so we can go, pull it up, Jamie. Shut the so, fuck up. So, uh, you know, so I was, I was actually thinking, so, so 10 minutes later, we're up in the village. Fortunately, I wasn't seriously injured. Nothing was hurt. We were in a little medical hut. 10 minutes later, the guy cleans my wound. I had no problem, but... The drive up there, I'm thinking, oh my God, this is going to be my new life. I'm going to start going on motorcycle av oh, adventures. Oh, Jesus, yeah. And then, uh, do you have it? No, no, I don't know. I'm looking for it. I'm trying to see. I'm trying then, to see anything on a motorcycle. Here, um, I'll pull it up for you. Here's a picture of you and Marin. Yeah, you got to. You at a soccer game? You got to go deep. Oh. Yeah, because it was in April. Um. You there's so there's so much to see in in Asia. I love Vietnam. Thailand is amazing. I mean, you found it. Jesus, you got it. Yeah, that's it. Boom. Good work. Yeah, it's like thirty seconds long. But you know, I'm I'm really happy that I 
survived this motorcycle crash. My my dad's um, survived this helicopter crash in Vietnam. Oh, here's where it's got to be happening. It's coming up. It's got to... I can... S- <laughs> By the way, I'm as equally as confident on a motorcycle as you are. <laughs> no. Oh! Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, shit. You went over the handlebars. Uh, no, I hit the... No, 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 no. It looks like you went, you went flying over the handlebars. Like... Uh, no, yeah, the, 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 bike, the bike slid out from under me, and uh, I may have. I don't, you know... God, thank God you had a helmet on. Yeah, thank God I had a helmet on. And then after I wrecked, I was thinking, I'm never riding another motorcycle as long as I... <laughs> God dang. And you have to because people are coming at you on the other side of the road. Well, what you don't see it were these big trucks that were coming around these oh, turns. Oh, whoa. Jesus Christ. How and then this, driving how back... How does this only have 875 views? You wrecked on a fucking motorcycle. Yeah, and then, uh, and then going back... Uh, people in Vietnam don't recognize like traffic lights are just suggestions. Oh my God. There were these long straightaways and I'm like going, I can't wait to get back to Hanoi and get off this motorcycle. And, uh, and then teenagers on, on mopeds would just come ripping across or like trucks from the other side would just do U-turns right in front of you. Oh, we, we There was rode, like loads of times I had to slam on the brakes and, and almost had other wrecks. We rode motorcycles in Hanoi uh, through traffic, that was one of the things we thought would be fun and yeah. Exciting. Driving on Hanoi is, is it really is fun. invigorating. But there's the park where John, not John McLean, John McCain, John McCain, the park where he landed, uh, I think, and it's like it's a big square, right? Well, no, it's uh, it, he landed in a lake, in a lake, in a park, right? Yeah, there's a park around. There's it. like roads around it. Well, I fucking as soon as I got to any straightaway, I would open this motorcycle up, like almost like get me away from this shit because you, you, it is, it is. Literally, you have to be like when you. I mean, I've ridden motorcycles a lot, and so when you ride a motorcycle, the one thing that's cool is that you are dialed in to the moment. It's almost like riding a roller coaster. You can't coaster. stray. You can't. You're, you're, you can't wander your yeah, mind. Your focus is are the guy in front of me, this guy coming up to the left. You're really in the moment. It's really kind of zen, uh, like because you you're you're not thinking about bills or taxes or anything like yeah. that. You're thinking about traffic and what's going on. In Hanoi, it's times 10 because there are people, you're like, is this guy pickpocketing me? Like, Jesus Christ, on a motorcycle, this guy's, the car in front of me is, is just cutting over nine lanes? Yeah. Like, there's no stop sign. We're not stopping for this? Yeah. Like, it really That's was. That's the thing. People cutting over nine lanes or someone coming from the other direction just decides to make a U-turn in front of you. And they see you. Yeah. They just don't give a fuck is about Is that you. all of Asia? That's not the Japan, right? No, Japan. Oh, and we need to talk about Tokyo. If you're thinking about, I'm thinking about Tokyo. Yeah, I've been to Tokyo. Tokyo. I've been to Tokyo once. My favorite part of Tokyo. This is going to sound so fucking sad. My favorite part of Tokyo is the airport because they have those hotels in the airport that are fucking amazing, and you can just go into the airport. Like you fly into Tokyo if you're doing a layover, like to Vietnam or to Singapore, and those airport hotel rooms. I've never had a better night's sleep. There's no windows. It's a box. It's got a shower in it. Oh, my God. Hmm. They've got one in Dallas Airport that I go in. Like, if I have more than a 30-minute layover, I'll go in and get one of those hotel rooms. It's like a little... It's kind of more like a study, and I'll just pass out hard. That's the best thing about Dallas Airport. It's in Terminal A, I think. I don't know. Oh, but so... Tokyo, yeah. Same, oh, yeah, but, but the last thing I want to say about Hanoi... Uh, that that lake where John McCain was shot down in, yeah, 
And imagine, it's the, the height of the Vietnam War. The, the soldiers and the townspeople surrounded the lake. They, they, they pulled him out of the lake and they beat and kicked him all the way to the, to the Hanoi Hilton where he was in prison and he was tortured. That lake where John McCain landed in the yeah. middle of Hanoi, you can now rent swan paddle boats. Wait, hold on. The Hanoi Hilton. That was the, the nickname the, the POWs that, gave Was it. that inside Hanoi? Yeah, in the city. I think I can. Would, would I, is that something I would have seen? It's a yeah. It's a it's a it's a historic landmark yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. It was, I saw it was that. the prison. That's the, where they took him from there to there. He marched him through the town, and like everyone kicked and beat Imagine. him. Imagine. And it, it, it's you know it, it's such a harrowing story. The guy is definitely a true American hero, Hard. and what he survived. And then he was being tortured, and they were going to let him out. And he he chose to stay with his with his uh, his his men. You know he could have gotten out like two years earlier than he did. We don't have whatever men were made of back then. We don't have like we don't we just don't. That's I think that's been it kind of farmed out of us in a weird way. Like the idea that you would how many Americans do you think would go? No, no, I stay with my men as opposed to I get my phone back. You know? <laughs> yeah. I, I, oh. Yeah, and I and I uh, that that restaurant where uh, Anthony Bourdain and Obama ate at is is quite delicious. If you really? ever go to Hanoi, yeah. What that did was, you think? What did you think about when you heard about Bourdain's suicide? Uh, you know what? It's he was he was one of my heroes. I don't think yeah. there will ever be a better travel show. No, uh, ever. And me as a traveler, I got so many things from like Hanoi. Oh my God, I'm going to go check out that restaurant. In Malaysia, there's different places around the world that, you know, he taught me great places to go to and things to do and everything. And uh, I absolutely uh, worshipped Anthony Bourdain. And then after he died, you read that the thing that it was all the time away from loved ones and time spent alone in hotel rooms that that uh that fucking ate him up and i'm thinking well that's the life of a comedian yeah but he was life. he was doing it on a five-star level in the nicest hotels eating the nicest restaurants comedians have to do that staying at fucking you know motel eight on a highway exit yeah a microtel yeah i mean it's uh play des moines see how enjoyable that hotel is like nothing one? against des moines but the one right by the bar and by the Right across the street from the Arby's, Did you ever, <laughs> there's a microtel in Des Moines that is just depressing. Mm. I, I haven't played Des Moines in a while. I used to love playing that club, but it just—I think the financials of it of it it only seats like two sixty maybe. Yeah, and and there's no there's no press press is dead in Des Moines. It's not doesn't happen anymore out there. So you couldn't go, if you were short on tickets, you couldn't go in and sell out the place by doing press. It had to be word of mouth. And, you know, certain places like, like, and I don't mean negatively, but there's certain places in the country where the internet just isn't as popular. Like Alabama, the internet is not as popular as it is on, in California or New York. It just isn't. My, my wife's dad uh, sold his company or sold his business. Is like he has a, a garage. And he won't sell them the internet because the, the place has internet. He said, no, 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 don't worry. I'll take care of that. I'll keep paying the internet because I don't want you to lose it. If you miss a payment, I'm afraid they'll lose it. And then you got to get in line to get internet again. 
So you just not just everyone has the internet out in Alabama. Huh. It's like it's first come first serve, and if then you got to wait in line for it. And so, and by the way, that's very rural Alabama or Georgia, very rural parts. But it's just not, you know, it, it's not. I mean, we go out there, we go to Alabama once a year, and I am just off my phone for a week because it just doesn't. I don't get a connect signal out that's there. That's nice. I'm looking forward to going to Mongolia next week, and um, is it going to? I'm going to sleep in a. No, it's summer there. Yeah. So the the comedians are going to take me out into the country, and I'm going to sleep in a gur. Uh, for some and for some reason, Americans think they're called yurts, but yeah. it's uh, it's a gur. Those little white round tents. The ones that you'd see in those, uh, like not the ones that it's like an erector set where they go and then they wrap it and then put the roof on. You'd know it if you saw it. They're round and they're white. I've seen. I've I've stayed in a yurt before, and there's a show I love called. Uh, uh, your is it yurt life? But I read Genghis Khan. Love Yurts. Yeah, Love Yurts is a show I watched. Oh, okay. Wait, did you see the exhibit? They had an exhibit recently here in Hollywood. I went. It's at the Ronald Reagan Museum. Is it still going on? It's done. Yeah, it's still going on, I think. Oh, for real? Yeah, it's great. Um, you know, the um, Mongolians gave us pants, ice cream, and the word hooray. Mongol, ancient Mongolians would end... This is, I'm full of knowledge nuggets, baby. Uh, I don't know why All Things Comedy doesn't get behind this. Uh, they would end prayers and celebrations by cheering or saying, hurry, H-U-R-E-E-H. And Europeans took that and made it hooray. Hooray is my favorite word in the English language. Hooray! Hooray! And it comes from ancient Mongolia. Uh, I had a great opening in... Uh, Mongolia. Apparently, everyone in the world is somehow related to Genghis Khan. So I'm just here to visit family. Hello, cousins. <laughs> and uh, I read Genghis Khan's biography before I came to Mongolia. And under Genghis Khan's rule, no individual was ever held responsible for a mistake or an error. It was the community's fault as a whole. So if this show doesn't go well tonight, it's all of our fault. <laughs> and then uh, from reading Genghis Khan's biography, I learned. As a comedian performing in Mongolia, you never give up on a joke, never give up on a story. And if that doesn't work, you can always put aristocrats and noblemen into catapults and shoot them against the palace walls because that never fails to make the Mongolians laugh. <laughs> they were some real cruel motherfuckers. Holy shit. But civilized in a way. They, uh, he had absolute religious tolerance that you could be... Uh, Jewish or Muslim or whatever he uh, Genghis Khan had no problem with people having their own religions he just wanted total um, control he just as long as you obeyed him and if you didn't uh, they were pretty nasty I was obsessed with uh, a hardcore history do you ever listen to hardcore history uh, yeah it's funny you mentioned Mongolia and everybody's like have you heard hardcore? yeah 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 uh, no, I, no I, I read books on my own <laughs> <laughs> You know, there's so, so few people that do that. I listened to his on um, Caravaggio or something a few years ago, and I thought it was okay, because I'm like a big Caravaggio freak. I don't too. know who Caravaggio is. Italian painter. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, if you go to Rome, you got to see the Caravaggio stuff. So, I mean, I get off on reading books and and, and sorting out my own knowledge. And did stuff. you know, did you, was this part of you in high school? Uh, it evolved. Um, no, but like, where was the where was the evolution? Like, like I, I when I th when I when I think of you as younger, 
and Florida, I think regular. And then when I first met you, I, f- I felt like almost like like you had been through the Hollywood ringer and you were like, I don't know if that's like, I don't know, like in a real like peaceful, noble way, like, I don't know if that's what I'm here for. And then I knew you moved to to Amsterdam and that's where I met you out in Amsterdam. But like, when did the, when did the transformation come? Did it come when you first moved out to LA? What, as far as like, 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 like reading you, and knowledge? And no, stuff? just you just developing into almost like a global, a global personality, a global, like bigger than fucking a popka. You know what I mean? Oviedo. Oviedo. That's it. Yeah. Oviedo. Um, well, I, the, the first love of my adult life was with a Parisian woman, Natalie. Uh, we lived in San Francisco for seven years. So she turned me on to French writers, Voltaire and Maupassant. Really? And um, uh, uh, Vav Clico Champagne and all these other great things that uh, civilized humans should be into. Um, but th- so I think, I think San Francisco really kind of opened me up to the world and culture. And you know, it's funny, man. I, I was just back in San Francisco last weekend. Where I lived, uh, and Natalie and I are still really good friends. Um, we lived on Alamo Square Park and uh, on Fulton and Pierce. And then <clears throat> a block over is Divisadero. And this was a real black neighborhood when I lived there. There were these militant shops that sold Malcolm X speeches on cassette. What year is this? Uh, we moved there in 90, 91, and lived there till 96. She bought the apartment that we lived in in 97 for $350,000. And um, she's one of the happiest people I know. It's, uh, yeah. That place is worth millions now. But so Divisadero is now all white tech. I mean, not just white kids, but just little nerdy, you know, well-heeled tech kids. Yeah. And all these black militant shops are gone. And uh, the, the Church of John Coltrane, the John Coltrane yeah. Church... Uh, the official name was the African Orthodox Church of St. John Coltrane. Uh, it was a storefront church. I would go there on Sundays, and it was the very first place I ever saw a picture of a black Jesus. And this place was so cool. The preacher uh, rarely spoke. He just played saxophone. His, his wife played like stand-up bass. And on all the pews were musical instruments. And it would start at like three in the afternoon and they would jam for like three hours. It would go to like six, sometimes seven. And everyone was encouraged to pick up an instrument and play because we are all a part of the music. Isn't that beautiful? That's great. So I went to check out, went to my old neighborhood last weekend when I was in San Francisco and the church of John Coltrane, where I had so many spiritual, beautiful moments in my life is now an expensive outdoor clothing uh, like hiking store uh like 200 dollars shirts 500 dollars coats uh so expensive outdoor clothing shop and uh the only thing and i was gutted to, to stand in the middle of this this room and imagine what it used to be and yeah. the only thing that slightly cheered me up because uh, that was 20 years ago. The only thing that cheered me up was to think 20 years from now, somebody's going to walk in there and go, oh man, this was once an expensive outdoor clothing store. 
They've gutted the soul of <laughs> Now this is where they put the chip in your neck? Yeah, exactly. Or I was thinking like little portable helicopters or something. Who knows what they're going to be selling there in 20 years. So when you went to, when you went to San Francisco, you had... I, like my awakening for me was when I moved to New York. Out of Tallahassee, I moved to New York. Very first show I saw was uh, Stella. Do you remember Stella? Michael Ian Black, Michael Showalter, David Wayne, and it was like a it was like an improv show, but they put stand up on, and Janine Garofalo went on stage, and she was I'm not, I'm not saying she was doing poorly, but she wasn't doing great, and she started referencing her set versus something in like in some book, and everyone laughed, and I didn't know the name of the I didn't know the book, I didn't know the reference, and I fucking for the first time, like you could get through Tallahassee confidently stupid like just with confidence <laughs> like just i don't know about that what do you guys think huh yeah right you Jesus went to school with black. my sister my you and my sister i think graduated the same year yeah uh and, well, and I, I was know. i and that and that's when i got i literally went and got a job at barnes and noble thinking i'm gonna read every fucking book and i read i read a ton of books but that was the beginning and then and then i think it slowed but <laughs> that was the beginning of me realizing oh there's more in this world than just fucking well, and also I think for me was, um, you know, when my sitcom ended, I, you know, I had lived in New York City like a dog when I was 20. And I had always swore if I ever had any money, I'd live there with style. So uh, when my sitcom ended, I was angry at Los Angeles. I was angry at show business. I was angry at humanity. And I just wanted to just go full hardcore back into stand-up. So I moved back to New York City. And, uh, and then I also looked at my money as my NBC artist grant. So I started taking uh, systematic trips to London. Uh, m my good friend Rich Hall was living over there God, and he was so in there. Funny. And then Greg Proops, good friend of mine, was also playing London a lot. And both of them thought that I had like, you know, uh, some intelligent comedy that would do very well there. So uh, I took about, I took like three trips to London and then they, they taught, Rich Hall taught me, you do the peripheral clubs first before you go to the main clubs. So you get your sea legs on stage, what it's like to perform in England and what, what references don't work and things like that. So I, I think it was, it was that period also. And then being exposed, once I got in with London, uh, I started doing London and all over England, hardcore. Uh, and, and then I started playing in Paris and Berlin and Amsterdam. And what year is that? Uh, first time I went over there, I so that was like 98, 20 years ago. God, 98, I just got into stand-up. <clears throat> so that's when I've, I've been doing the international circuits for 20 years now. That's The international circuits are so fucking enriching. It really makes you love comedy again. Well, and it, yeah, and it's not... Because you know what I love is, is you go to a different country... And then you're like, you know, you, you write. It gives you ideas. And you're like, oh, I've got an observation on this. And like, you, it so really does, I'll, yeah. I'll read things before I go to a, a country. You know, I'll, I'll really? pick, Yeah, like before I went to Mongolia, I read the Genghis Khan biography. Um, the, uh, before I went to Tokyo, I read um, all these books on the samurai. And my favorite, uh, Hagakure, The Way of the Samurai which um, I learned from the film Ghost Dog. <laughs> you yeah. remember that movie? He quotes... Yeah, with, with uh, Forrest Whitaker. I, yeah, I love that movie. And there's this book that he quotes all throughout the 
the movie. It was written in like the 1300s. It's advice for a samurai. Really? Yeah, it's all great stuff. Oh. Samurai should focus on death every day so that it means nothing to him. A samurai should make every decision within the space of seven breaths. Think about that. One. Two. Seven breaths is a long time. A samurai yeah. does not... That's a good amount of time to make a decision. Instead of... A samurai does not go about uh, rushing at things or making trouble in the world. People that uh, make trouble in the world... I forget what it is. Seven breaths. I like that because yeah. it really goes, hey, think about what you're doing. A samurai, you should write every letter with the thought that the recipient will uh, display it as a hanging scroll in his house. Fuck. This is full of great shit. So what? So, okay. So I'm definitely going to Shanghai. So a big, so a big part <laughs> of traveling for me is like, getting off on like knowledge nuggets and learning stuff and then you know i'll get jokes out of it and then and then there's a lot of things like uh paris is my favorite city in the world and my wife my wife uh full disclosure said i want because i was i was like i should go by myself i haven't been off by myself in a while and then she goes you go off by yourself every single weekend you should me and you should go somewhere she was like i want to go to paris take her to paris I'm, I might. I'm going there in October, uh, and I'm doing gigs there. The uh, I was I wanted to film uh, my next hour special there in October, but I I, I, I and I talked to Bill Burr about yeah. it, and I, I I I think we might try and do it next year under yeah. with uh, hopefully with all ATC. things comedy. Well, hopefully, uh, hope but like so, there, I've got all this information on Paris. Like, <clears throat> I hate when Americans say they hate France or French people. I think that's the stupidest thing in the world. Yeah, because France gave the world the bikini and lingerie. What's not to like? Yeah. <laughs> and if it wasn't for the naval blockade at the Battle of Yorktown, the United States never would have gained its independence from England. And the Marquis who arranged that naval blockade, his name was Lafayette. And that is why, when the American soldiers landed on the beaches of Normandy in World War II, the American government sent a message to the French government that simply said, Lafayette, we are here. So, like, most Americans don't know that. And a lot of Fr most French people don't even know that. Really? So, I mean, there's just, uh, I have so many great knowledge nugget things. Uh, and I'm obsessed with the life of Voltaire. And Voltaire and Rousseau hated each other. Uh, they would write nasty things about each other in newspapers. Uh, it was the um, 18th century equivalent of a Twitter bitch fight. And uh, yeah, Voltaire said, when I read Rousseau, I want to get down on all fours like an animal. It makes me want to de-evolve. He's such a <laughs> poor writer. Um, and uh, And then... Eventually, there is, it's a much longer story, but eventually, you know, back then, if the authorities didn't like what a, a author had written, they would burn his books. If they really didn't like it, they'd burn the author. So uh, Voltaire had to flee Paris several times. He had a place up on the Swiss border. And, uh, and then Rousseau, later in life, his arch enemy, was having problems with the Swiss authorities, and they were... Going, they were burning his books and considering burning him. And Voltaire said of his 
arch enemy whose guts he hated thoroughly. Uh, although I disagree with what you say, I will defend with my life your right to say it. It's the famous quote. That's fucking so. That's so prevalent to what's going on today in society. Seriously, yeah. So that so I was I'm I'm ready to film my next hour special in Paris. I wanted to do it in October. With there's a much more eloquent story I tell about the Voltaire that story, uh, but that and the other thing. And then I have a personal history with Paris. The first time I went to Paris, I was maced. Uh, these really? guys tried to rob me. Um, I got a lot of great jokes and stories. Uh, I almost drowned on a French resort in Thailand while diving. I don't how? know if you've ever heard that how? story. No, how? Faulty equipment. Wait, what happened? That's one of my biggest fears. Yeah, it was terrifying. Wait, start it at the beginning. Uh, I mean, you want to hear this story? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you yeah. have time? Yeah, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so... Um, so I'm living in Amsterdam. You know, I had the late night talk show on Dutch television. Yeah. So if that was not fortuitous enough, when that ended, the same network let me be a presenter on a travel show. Mm-hmm. I got to do a highlight on St. Petersburg, Russia, uh, Peru, the Champagne region of France. I got to do uh, all these great trips. <clears throat> and I was still doing stand-up comedy and I was doing a... Uh, stand-up comedy tour in Asia. I was doing. I did Hong Kong, Bangkok, and I had two weeks off before I had to go to Tokyo. So my Dutch travel show boss said that if I got certified diving while I was in Thailand on my next assignment, he would send me to the Dutch Caribbean. Where's the Dutch Caribbean? Uh, Aruba, Curacao. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, okay, okay, uh, yeah. Bonaire. Um. So my Dutch travel show colleagues, they had all done Thailand to death. So uh, they told me where to go. So I flew uh, to the PP Islands. I flew from Bangkok to Phuket and then took a boat for three hours to the PP Islands. And I went to Koh PP. And I stayed on this French resort. And I'm a Francophile. Uh, Love everything about France and French culture. Uh, which is why it's unfortunate what happens to me in this story. <laughs> so uh, my diving instructor was this tattooed criminal scumbag from Montpellier, France, named Philippe. And you could smell the cocaine criminal past on this fucking guy. Yeah, There was a reason why he was hiding out in the islands in Thailand. He had all these homemade jailhouse tattoos up and down his arms. And he had a little rat ponytail. And the side of his hair was, head was shaved for his mask. And he had a mustard yellow uh, Speedo that matched his mustard yellow teeth. And anybody who's ever gone diving, there's like a book that you have to study for a week before you're ever allowed to get into the water. Yeah. I did not have to look at this book for one second. <laughs> I sat with a very hungover Philippe on the morning of my first dive, and he went through the hand signals with me. This means I cannot breathe. <laughs> this means I have a love of air. A love of air. Okay, I'm underwater. Oxygen is precious. Okay, I love air. (laughs) Took me three days to figure out this means you are low of air. (laughs) Okay. So my my diving class was very small. It was a a British couple from London named Mark and Mara. And I'm still very good friends with them because of what happens in this story. (laughs) And they had both lived in Paris for five years and both spoke fluent French. 
my diving buddy, when you go diving, yeah. you're paired with a buddy for mm -hmm. safety. Your diving buddy. You have to constantly be checking on your buddy. Are you okay, buddy? I'm okay, buddy. Uh, so I'm single, fr freshly dumped, uh, like a year or two before, and uh, total, you know, lover of all things France. My diving buddy was this beautiful French woman from Bordeaux, France, named Helene. Yeah. And Helene worked for worked at the ticket counter for Air France at Bordeaux International Airport. And I fell instantly in love with her. Uh, how perfect, man. We met while diving in Thailand. Yeah. You know, I'm imagining my future life oh. living in Bordeaux. I'd get a job smashing grapes with my feet. <laughs> I'd pick her up at the end of the day at Bordeaux International Airport. We'd drive our shaggy dogs out to the coast and throw tennis balls for the dogs to chase and make love in the sand dunes at the sunset. <laughs> well, she spoke minimal English and I speak minimal French. And Philippe also had a crush on this woman. And his underwater flirting was outrageous. Every day he'd push me aside and take her and show her pretty plankton and whatever and I'm by myself, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so uh, a lot of men do this. When there's a rival for their affection, he becomes the silverback gorilla and he feels the need to loudly insult me in front of the group every chance that he gets. So we all said what we did for a living and I said I worked for this television show. So he keeps calling me, Mr. Television, <laughs> is this good enough for you, Mr. Television? You will not get your diving certificate until you learn the buoyancy. You must learn the buoyancy, Mr. Television. Buoyancy is the perfect balance of perfect measures. Yeah. Uh, you, professional divers never use their hands. You have an air vest with two buttons on it. One button increases the air, the other one decreases the air. So professional divers are always perfectly horizontal Neutrally with their hands buoyant. behind their back yeah. and very coolly go psh, psh, while amateurs flail their arms and that's what I keep doing. And he keeps yelling at me over the buoyancy. Perfect balance of perfect measures. So every day we would have lunch on these beautiful islands on these little alcove beaches and one day helene was pulling her bikini bottom out of her ass crack and i asked mark to ask her if she was going to the movies she says why i say because i saw you pick in your seat <laughs> it's a children's joke in yeah. the united states she had never heard it before she thinks it's the funniest joke ever ah! <laughs> she's laughing her ass off and i look at philippe and he's fucking eye daggers at me man he's so pissed off that i scored a point with this woman so on the morning that i almost died uh he's being a real dick to me and we're in our boat and we're driving out to our diving spot and he's yelling at me over whatever, just, just fucking berating me. And I finally said, listen, Philippe, I don't know what I did to make you dislike me, but I have to be honest with you. You're making me feel uncomfortable and I have to trust you down there. And he goes, oh, Mr. American, have I hurt your feelings? Maybe the Al-Qaeda has asked me to leave your body in the ocean today. And that's when Mark stands up in the boat and goes, You are out of order, sir! And then they got into each other's faces and then they almost fought. And it was like an hour before this explosive situation finally died down. 
and we all got to go diving. <clears throat> and in retrospect, it was Russian roulette with the bad tanks. And I got the bad one. Yeah. Did he give it to me on purpose? We will never know. Just like every other day, he pushes me aside, he takes her, I'm by myself, blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden, I start breathing in water. And your lungs don't want water. Yeah. It's day three. I know how the equipment works. There's a button in front of your mouth. You get water in, in your mouth, you hit the button and whoosh, whoosh, it shoots out the side. It's not working. I get the spare respirator, the octopus. It's the same thing. It's water. And I look up and it's like 40 feet. It's not that deep, but it's deep enough to be dangerous. And I know you can never shoot straight up to the top. That's how people really get hurt. And I looked at Philippe and he's like, ah, oh, Jesus, I don't know, 20, 30 feet away from me. And I swam to this guy as quick as I could. Oh my God. And I actually came in a little above him and I had to whip him around by his ponytail to get his attention. And who would have thought that I ever would have gotten to use in my lifetime the I cannot breathe signal and he's looking me straight in the eyes and he really seemed to take his slow sweet time getting me that spare respirator and by the time it got to my mouth I had held my breath for so long I can't even recreate the sound that came out of me. It was the sound of someone dying and it came out of me. And I thought this was the last moment of my life, watching bubbles go in front of this French fuck's face. But I survived and uh, I had to wait on the boat while they finished their dive. And I'm sitting on the boat <clears throat> and the Thai boat captain was fishing and he pulled up a fish on the boat and the fish was flopping around on the boat and I felt so bad for that fish because that was me just a minute ago. And then we all got to, they all came in and we all go back to the island. And I sat on the beach and I watched the sunset. And to be honest with you, it was a very mediocre sunset. It was really hazy and overcast that day. But it was the greatest sunset I've ever seen in my life because there's nothing like almost dying to make you really appreciate living. And then he comes over to me on the beach and he invited me into the village to have a beer. And we're having a beer. And I know he was trying to cover his ass, you know. Uh, but he honestly, he made an effort. He showed me a picture of the wife and child that he had abandoned in France. You know, he was trying. And I told him, I said, Philippe, I want you to know, today I learned the true meaning of buoyancy. Because this morning you said that shit about Al-Qaeda and I hated your guts and I wanted you to die. And then you saved my life, and then all is forgiven. That's the perfect balance of perfect measures. And then I go back to the resort, and Helene was sitting at the tiki bar by herself. And I went over to Helene, and I tried to make small talk with her. And I go, so um, what's the first thing you're going to do when you get back to Bordeaux? And she goes, make love to my boyfriend. <laughs> what's the second thing you're going to do? <laughs> There is no second thing. <laughs> so be careful who you almost die for, because they might not give a fuck. <laughs> and now you know, I almost drowned in pee pee. That might be one of the best stories I've ever heard. Yeah, it's all true. That's fucking amazing. <clears throat> so I'm going to do that on my next special. Oh my God, that's fucking amazing. Yeah, and it's real, and it's like. And it's like, and it, it's, I'm the one guy who loves everything about France and French culture. And so yeah. like, I find the one asshole Frenchman yeah. who's got a bug in his ass about Americans. And like, he's going to fucking leave me in the ocean Dude. for Al Qaeda. 
That's a fucking great yeah. So story. I've, I've got a lot of great stories that are related to France and French culture and stuff, and that's why I want to do my next hour special there. I feel like I feel like I, I feel like stand up is catching up to where you are right now because I like I'm a I love a good story. I'm a, I'm a, I love a good story, and I don't need it to be hilarious through. I just need it to be good. I just need it to be engaging and good and with a f- all i need is all i need is like give me like seven laughs in there and i'll i'm there for the whole thing but what i need is an ending you got to give me an ending gotta have a good ending be careful who you almost die mr for. martin my uh high school speech and drama teacher taught me that uh you have to, to how to build an argument and that stories need to lead somewhere stories i, I, <laughs> I, I do think that stand up is moving towards more authenticity and stories oh. although i i do uh, I, I I still love a, a a great written joke. Oh yeah, you know I love a good setup punch. I love a good joke. I love. I started getting obsessed with what Norm was doing, which was these like uh, these. Uh, um, uh, I ran into my neighbor the other day. You know, like those. Have you ever heard that one he does? No. Uh, one of my but favorite. Like that kind of false setup stories? Yeah, yeah. It's one of my favorite Norm jokes ever. It's And I don't even know if it's a Norm joke or if it's him telling a street joke, but I think he wrote it. And he goes, I ran into my neighbor the other day. I said, uh, guy said, hey, man, nice to meet you. What do you do for a living? Norm says, I'm a comedian. Guy says, oh. Norm says, what do you do? Guy says, I'm a professor of logic. He goes, oh, really? What's that? And he goes, well, it's hard for me to explain. It's much easier for me to show. And he said, the guy says, Norm, do you have a dog? And Norm goes, I do. He goes, well, then, okay. So then by knowing you have a dog, I must assume that you have kids. And Norm goes, I do have kids. And he goes, well, logically, I then can assume that if you have kids, you're married to a woman. He goes, I am. Well, logically, I can assume if you're married to a woman that you're a straight white male. And Norm goes, I am. He goes, oh, and that's what I do. Norm goes, that's interesting. So the next day, Norm's at the elevator, and he runs into another neighbor. And the other neighbor says, hey, Norm, how you doing? He goes, I'm not so bad. He goes, you meet the new neighbor? And Norm goes, I did. And he goes, uh, what's he do? And Norm says, he's a professor of logic at the college. And the guy goes, wow, what's that? Norm says, actually, it's easier for me to show you than to explain. Norm goes, do you have a dog? The guy goes, no. And Norm goes, well, then you must be a faggot. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking I got obsessed with that joke. I got obsessed with that joke because no one does it that way anymore. Like that was the way it was done when like Buddy Hackett would do the Tonight Show. Right. Someone would have to write those jokes. And I missed those jokes and I wanted to write one. I wanted to come up with one. I wanted to write one. I'm like I'm a good comedian. I understand comedy. I understand I understand the way to back and en- reverse engineer myself into that joke. But um, but ultimately, I end up doing what you're doing is is what I'm what my strength is. And you're I think you're stronger at it than I am. But just a great story is weaving a great story, leaving like the little things that you like. I had I had had a story about running out of air in Fiji, but nowhere close to as good as yours is nowhere close. And by the way, mine, when I said I talked to the moth and they were like, uh, what story are we going to tell? I was like, I wanted to tell the story about running out of air scuba diving in Fiji. And the lady goes, yeah, but I don't know the ending. And I went, oh, yeah, I guess you do. She's like, oh, is there something I'm, no- I'm not knowing? And I go, no. No, I go, there's no real story to it. I ju- it's just a, a, a th- interesting thing that happened. There's no yeah, good like the, story. I thought, uh, oh, my God, I'm going to get a great story out of my Vietnam motorcycle crash. Yeah. 
it happened to me. Yeah. But it's not, it, it's not like that almost drowning in Thailand story. It's because, you know, there was a girl involved. That's great. You know, and, a, and then there's a rival for the affection. What, what is, uh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, for me what stands out is it, it's, it's inclusive because all, not all of us, but a lot of people have taken scuba diving lessons and we know the formalities. And then you give us the, you give us the, I'm getting the frontier scuba diving lesson out and, and yeah. what you would call it. So you, that's already comedical, comedic in nature, the description of the guy. He's hungover. It's and he's, he's just fucking, going through the hand signals. Yeah, it's fucking. This means <laughs> I cannot breathe. <laughs> The accents are fucking great. He was a great. cock too, man. Oh, and then, and and it it does what I think all good stories do, do, is it puts you not as the protagonist, but as a innocuous protagonist. Like you are the you are the what's moving the story forward. But a lot of I love when a story's happen. I hate when someone tells a story and it sounds like they're bragging. Like yeah. did I tell you about the time I did this? Oh dude, me and my boys. That's what an amateur storyteller does is he tells you about the coolest thing he ever did. Right. I think a good storyteller tell will tell you about something that happened to him where the he humiliating goes, stories and are, yeah. are the best. And we're self deprecating like stories of failure. Yeah. Stories I don't I don't think I have any stories where I'm a badass in it. I think every story every good story that's happened to me, I'm the the one that was the last to recognize it, or I think that's what what I loved about that is that you are this innocent protagonist, this this almost like caught up in the in the Gulf Stream of of events and swept into it. That's what I love. That's a good way to describe it. The, yeah, the Gulf Stream. Only a Floridian can say something like that. No shit, right? <laughs> but um, but yeah, and it's you know um, the, the, all these um, uh, you know I. I'm imagining, oh my God, I'm going to fall in love with this girl. and It's all the things that people connect with in their lives. And like, you know, I, DC Benny, you know DC Benny? Oh yeah. DC Benny is doing this thing on online, which is really great. He's doing it on his Instagram and it's, I think it's, I think it's called the art of storytelling. And DC is a great storyteller, really a great storyteller. And he's just pointing out some of the, some of the pitfalls of storytelling that the average person does where you can, like I would... I used to do this thing where I would say to my friends, tell me a story and I'll tell it back to you about how you should have told it. And I, I could, just the average person would tell me a story and I could make it a great story because I knew what you wanted to hear. But I can't do that with my own. It's really hard for me to do with my own. Like in a weird way, I think I get in my way of it. Like Segura one time told me a story and we were in the car driving out to Brea and I go, can I tell you how you should tell that story? He was like, yeah, he was. By the way, he was really young at the time. He was like, "Yeah, sure." And I told him the way I thought he should tell it, and he was like, oh, "That works so much better." But the problem is, you're also connected with your own truths. Like so much of that story really happened to you that you can't just stretch it and make it. And then a walrus shows up, you know? Because you're like, "Yeah, no, every bit of it's true." My wife thinks that I shouldn't say on the morning that I almost died. Nope, I like she it. She thinks that I should she should reveal that later, but I I say no, 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 no. That's like I think that's a powerful, hardcore, powerful like, that like to to let people know that yeah, I this is this is where shit gets real in the story. I dude, I I I would almost and it's say, just the natural way that the story came out. When I was twenty two, I got involved with the Russian mafia. Here's how it happened. I love yeah, that's the it's it's the thing where you go okay. He I know he doesn't die, but I want to hear how he almost died. I want to hear. And, and to remind people of that, I love that. I love that story. That's a great fucking story. 
I would I love that I would love to hear you tell that in France too. Yeah. So if I take my wife to Paris, where do I stay in Paris? Uh you know what? There's um this chain of hotels that I, I, I it, it, they're like independent boutique hotels. There's like 12 of them all over Paris. And if you stay at one, you can stop at any of the others around the city and they have happy hour, free wine, free coffee. So you can use these hotels and it's not like a chain chain. Yeah. It's just a bunch of individual boutique hotels that are owned by the same company and you can use them as stations as you go around the city but very important you need to go and i told bill burr about this and he went there and lost his mind uh it's the best patisserie in paris it's called storer what's a patisserie where they have fruit tarts Oh yeah, little yeah. Napoleon. Oh God, uh, pastries. Yeah, and they also do the most incredible sandwiches in Paris. And and I told Bill this, and you'll thank me later. Get one to eat at that moment, and buy another sandwich for later when you're walking around in Paris and go, God damn, I wish I'd have bought another one of those sandwiches. <laughs> and then you will have. And uh, I follow this place on Instagram. What's the, what is the name of it? I'll follow him on Instagram right now. Storer. S-T-O-H-R-E-R. This is great. Because you, you gave me the tip for Rome about the Scooter Roma. Which, yeah, which, Annie. Which um, Ashna and I did when we went to Rome on one of our Rome trips. Yeah. And we loved it. Oh, it's so much fun. <clears throat> and I've told a bunch of people about it. So this this is the best tip I S T O H S T O H R E R R E R Storer. <clears throat> and the street that it's on, Rue Montegoy, is w- one of the best. It, it, I've, I've been to Paris so many times in, in over the last 25 years. Mm-hmm. I only learned about this street um, last summer. And I've, I've been to, I was in Paris last summer, and then I went back in December, back in January, and I'm going back in October. Uh, the last two times I was there, I went straight there when I got off the plane. I to, took I took the metro uh, straight there. Uh, Etienne Marcel. It's between Etienne Marcel and Les Halles. Uh, the, the 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 metro stops. Yeah. And that street, Rue Montegoy, has got uh, great cheese shops, great bread shops, great meat shops, great fish shops. Yeah, and this place has been there for over a hundred years. The storer, it's incredible. Fuck. Okay. All right. I because th- now I'm I'm on the fence. I'm either going to Shanghai by myself, or I'm taking my wife to Paris. You should take Leanne to Paris. Has she's never been? Uh. Uh-uh. She's she and she it. and I said to her. I, I said I really want to go see. I either want. I said to her. I either want to go to Beijing, Singapore, or and or I said or Europe. You know, I don't I don't mind going to a place in Europe, but you we got to go. You want to play with me in Paris in October? I can't. I'm, I'm, I can only go. The only week I have off for the next like eight months is September. The second week is September, like September fifth, sixth, seventh. Okay. And so I, I, it's the only weekend I have off because everything else, I've either got something for my girls or something. This one's totally <clears throat> free. So I was like, maybe I'll take Leanne to Paris, or I'll go to Shanghai, or I'll go to Beijing. And Leanne's like, I wouldn't mind seeing the Great Wall of China, but the way she said it was almost like, eh. And then, but when I said Paris, she lit up. Yeah. Oh, shit. That means I got to pick up my daughter. You got to go. Yeah. Okay. And Tokyo, 
I hadn't been in 10 oh, years. Oh, yeah, you didn't tell me about I went Tokyo. last September, and I'm going to go back Thanksgiving week of, of this year. Uh, the gig there is amazing. It seats like 100 people, and um, the food in, in Tokyo, just neighborhood ramen shops, oh. it's not as expensive as you think it is. I went to Tokyo. I've been to, to, I've been to Tokyo once, really, and really traveled. And I loved it. I thought it was fucking amazing. It's the Germany of Asia. Yeah, it Everything's is. Everything's clean and efficient. The, the subways are, si or the trains are silent. Like no one's, the streets are like, you get off the subway station and everyone, no one's talking. They're all just perfect. And then I went from there to Vietnam and I was like, if no one's touching you in uh, Tokyo, then they have your their fingers in your mouth in Vietnam. Like yeah. that, that was my analogy. Completely, yeah, completely different. Uh, can I plug some? Can yeah, I, please, please. I think you would you would appreciate my schedule for the rest of the Let's year. Let's hear it. Can I'm dying to hear it. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, all uh, Bertcast fans, please uh, come out and support little Tommy Rhodes before I die drowning in Thailand. The God, next what a great story, Tom. <laughs> what a great fucking story. Okay. So, August 22nd, I'm in Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia at UB... City Comedy Club. Uh, <laughs> August 24th. It would be great if it was called The Funny Shack. It's funny. Uh, the Mongolian, uh, Mongolian Slaughterhouse. Uh, August 24th, I'm in Beijing. August 25th, I'm in Shanghai. August 30th through September 2nd, I am at uh, West Nyack, New York. Have you done that? Is it Levity, <laughs> Levity Live? Have you done that? Yes. It's a good room. I've it's never a, been there. It's a great room. It's just very different than the, the UCB yeah. comedy room in, in Mongolia. In Mongolia. <laughs> yeah. I'll be coming from Shanghai to West Nyack, New York to do Levity Live. Is yeah. it Levity Live or Improv? Levity Live. It's okay. a great mall there. <laughs> great. And then uh, October, September 4th through the 9th, I'm at Zanies in Chicago. Uh, September 12th through 16th, I'm at Zanies in Rosemont. And then... September 27th through the 30th, I'm at the Punchline in Atlanta. God, you're fucking working. Uh, October 4th, I'm in Porto, Portugal. October 5th, I'm in Lisbon, Portugal. October 12th and 13th, I'm in Paris, France. October 16th through 20th, I'm in Oslo, Norway. October 25th through 29th, I'm in Galway, Ireland, doing the Galway oh. Comedy Festival. October 30th is Dublin. November 1st is Belfast. November 3rd is Berlin. Um, November 8th through 11th, I'm at the Improv in Addison. <laughs> you love how you love, love the contrast. <laughs> November 12th through 18th, I'm at Brad Garrett's Comedy Club in Las Vegas. November, uh, then, yeah, then like, Thanksgiving week, I'm going to do Osaka and Tokyo. Tokyo might be like November 26, 27. I'm working that out now. And then November 29th through December 2nd, I'm at the Improv in Pittsburgh. <laughs> and then uh, December 10th through 17th, I'm doing this Israel tour. Have you ever done the Israel tour? No, but I just heard they have an influx of crocodiles in the West Bank. Yeah, I think there might be a war going on there by the time I go there. But, Jesus but anyway, Christ. so yeah, I'm doing Israel uh, December 10th through the 17th, and then December 20th through the 22nd, I'm at the Improv in Orlando. I always do the Orlando Improv the week before what Christmas. What a fucking year. That's a nice year, huh? That's a fucking year. And I've already year. done a lot of... I already did that Asia tour in April and Paris in January, and yeah. God damn, Tom. That's fucking... I don't know why no one doesn't give me a 
comedy travel show. I don't know you. I don't know. Well, I, I mean, I have a few reasons. I think that television, the, 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 the scope of television would never be able to make something that Bourdain made now. Yeah. Um, I do think there are media outlets that would. I think Vice would be something that would be great for you. What about all things comedy? I just having that conversation with Bertolina. By the way, he called me in the middle of this podcast. I just had this conversation with Bertolina, and uh, we have a meeting next week, me, him, Alan, Bill, and okay. we're going to talk. But well, I'm going to light up my Instagram. I'm going to film. I'm going to film because I'm going out to the Mongolian countryside. Here's what. Here's what I think. Uh, here's what I think. Here's how I think you should <clears throat> utilize something like All Things Comedy when you're doing this tour. What you should get is a small, like Canon G7X. It's like a really. It's a. I think that's the name of it. It's a really small camera. It's point and shoot, but it shoots amazing footage. It really does. And if I were you, I would get two 128 gigabyte cards, and I would and and I would fill just fill them up, fill them up, and I'd film a ton. Film your travel nuggets. Film your information. Film what you've read, like the stuff you do about samurai. Film it all, and then give it to Mike and let him edit it into stuff to, that could go viral online. Because I think. It's and it, I know that you're not the kind of person that thinks film first, live second. I, I I'm more that guy. Like I definitely go, like I go do stuff and I go, oh, I should shoot this. Well, I used to be obsessed with it because I, I was and I made all these YouTube videos. Yeah, and and I and I have an old uh, great Canon camera that I used to use, and I I would call it extended arm productions because if you look at all the things, I'm like the it, the, the the shot is me extending my arm, going, hey, when you're in Beijing, there's this street with uh, everything yeah. fried on a stick. Yeah, you know. But I think that's how I don't know. I'll I'll, t I'll call you. I'll call you before you take off. I'm going to talk to them. But I think there is things that I think would help increase your profile, help sell you tickets in all these places. I think what you, what you who you sell a ticket to, in my opinion, are the people who happen to be living abroad in Mongolia, happen to be wanting to live abroad in Pittsburgh, listening to this and going, shit, what's the name of that fucking restaurant in Paris? Oh, fuck. I want to go scuba diving in Thailand. It's Ari Shafir. I mean, Ari has, has, has made it sexy... I think to a, a, a large group of people that like me and you didn't access, you know, like I traveled and I don't think people even knew or cared that I traveled, you know, but, uh, but I think there's a way I'm, I'll, I'll talk to you next week. So I'm talking with them beginning of next week. And, uh, but I would love to see, especially if you get one of their hot editors to put, to jazz it up, make it sexy, give you an intro and an outro and make five minute clips, one minute clips for you to put on your Instagram. I just think that's, I'd love to follow you on this tour. I would love to track. Are you using Instagram stories at all? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just started. I've been, I'm, I follow this guy, Adam Greentree, and he's doing a hunt in an eight day hunt in the outback of Australia. And I wake up, I, he's the only stories I'm really watching. I watch his story all day. So why is it better to do a story than just post a video on Instagram? Um, or is it? I think you, I think the vid, for me the videos are more bigger production. Meaning, like if I shoot something to promote a date, or if I shoot something funny, or if 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 I'm going to edit some, a joke together, you know, and it's going to be a minute. The stories for me are a little quicker. I think people are more forgiving with them, and they go, "Oh, that was stupid," but it's just a story. It's not like the, like sometimes if you post an Instagram post that maybe is stupid, people are like, "Fucking Jesus, Bert." You know, but can can you do the same? Like post a story and the video on I, the Instagram. If, so if a story is good, sometimes what people will do if a story is good, you can save those videos and edit them together, yeah, and then put them in your feed. So if a story is good, people will put them together and put it in their feed, 
and uh, and vice versa. Because like that a- Vietnam motorcycle crash, I didn't put on a story. I just put it on the regular Instagram. Well, that's I think that's an Instagram. I think that's definitely an Instagram post. But see, what I would do with that, uh, I would I would definitely turn that into a promo video for my next time I was in Vietnam. <laughs> like I would definitely like. Uh, like I would like when you're in Paris, I would definitely do a segment at stores and be like, "Hey guys, it's Tom." Uh, when I was on Bert Kreischer's podcast, he's reposting this for me. By the way, thank you, Bert. Like just fuck around. Uh, yeah. And when and Bill Burr, who's also reposting this for me, thanks, Bill. Yeah, and Bill was like, he talked about it on his podcast, and then he liked it so much he went back while he was in Paris. Yeah. And then he he was saying on his podcast, "I'm not going to say the name because it's Rhodes's thing, and Rhodes found it." And then like I got like I got like uh, that's about, good I though. Got, I got like thirty. It'd be really nice of him to have that code of honor, but yeah. Then I had to answer thirty five emails. Hey, what the fuck was the name of the place? <laughs> I think, I think, I think, I think you definitely should do a segment there and I'm going to film stuff. I'm going to definitely going to, um, uh, enlighten the world with, um, I think what, what trip. you, what would benefit you as opposed to giving you a absolute blank for canvas was say, uh, Rachel, Mike, and myself and Bill and Al and you all sat down and go looked at your calendar and said and like and almost like a pre-production meeting for you going hey you're going here 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 dude shoot something at the stores just cover it just cover it fucking literally hose it down with footage do a couple of your what you love about it talk to maybe someone that's going in there talk and then like give us that footage and that's Paris all right you're going to Mongolia, dude. Got to be something Genghis Kong, and you would you would very easily go, oh, it's this, and I think as a set of eyes from the outside of it, going, this is what we'd be in. I, I can tell you what I've, I'm already. I can tell you across the board what I'm interested in every little place, and so I think. I go. What about something like that? And then your wealth of knowledge, you'd be very easy to fill well, that I've, in. I've been to these a lot. Most of these cities, like I've been to Beijing, five or six times. Yeah, I've been to Shanghai. Dude, I was so like excited to times. talk to you because <clears throat> I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to make my decision based on what Tom, Tom tells me. Like, and I know me and you had talked about doing a travel podcast. Oh yeah, I it, totally forgot about it. I know. I did just. <clears throat> I um, I I sent messages and never heard anything. I think our both our schedules were so fucking veering apart that we need to find a time where we're both in LA for like two weeks and then just gang shoot them just gang shoot them and get all things comedy to produce produce them out and just gang shoot them and release them and just release them once a week like get to the place where we can shoot like 25 take 25 and then we got half the year and then wait till we have the next two weeks you've traveled I've traveled but uh dude I'm so excited it's uh, it's one of my favorite things <clears throat> Excuse me, is to talk um, travel with you. It's one of my favorite things, dude. I, yeah. It inspires me. I told you, I got the bug. I'm like, I'm itching. I need something for me where I can disappear and go out and stay out until fucking four in the morning, walking around the streets and and put a lock on some fucking bridge. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, well, the the, the Paris, the um, I've done that. The, they they stopped. Uh, they cut down all those locks off oh, that bridge. They? Yeah, because it was uh, too heavy for the the structure. Oh, for real? But one of my favorite things when you fly to Paris and you land there and uh, Ashna and I, my wife, um, the first few days you're jet lagged and so you're waking up in the middle of the night and my wife's a photographer. So one of my favorite things in the world is to be jet lagged and up all night in Paris and you're walking around. It's such a great city to walk around and take pictures of and stuff. 
fucking you know? is. It's All right. great. I'm going to go pick up my daughter. Dude, I love you. I can talk to you I love anytime. you so much, man. Anytime, anytime you want a podcast, just call me. Cool. And okay. let me know. I, I literally will move things around. You're such a fucking... I'm so excited for your next special. That story is one of the Thanks, best stories man. I've heard Well, it's Well, it's, it's probably not going to happen until next year. So, well, we'll but, fast but that's track fine. it. Let's fast yeah. track it. Cool. Get it done. All right, man. I love you, brother. Awesome, brother. Thank you. Long may you run. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.